Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello, and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I am your host, David Turetsky. Like always, we have with us our friend, podcast host, and Sorry.com employee, Dwight Brown. How you doing, Dwight? Good, David. How you doing? I'm okay. Today, we have with us a phenomenal guest. She's a friend, a client, and she's a brilliant CHRO. Our friend, Cindy Foxworth, the CHRO of SunPro Solar, now an ADT company. Hey, Cindy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for the introduction. Cindy, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and how you got to today? Well, I've been in human resources for some years. Started in manufacturing and I've worked pretty much in every role within within the department. I've been in manufacturing, in healthcare, in banking, in higher education for the line share of my professional career, about 18 years in higher education. And now I'm working in solar and have been in this industry for about three and a half years. I'm SPHR certified, SHRM CP certified, and absolutely love everything about human resources and the opportunities that it affords to companies to improve their processes and employees to improve their opportunities as well as just their, their life and what they can do for their families. Through a That's great awesome. work environment. That's great. Great. So, Cindy, one thing we ask every single guest of the HR Data Labs podcast is one fun thing that no one knows about you. I love adventure. And yeah, <laughs> I love adventure. I scuba dive and absolutely love doing it. Spearfish, just dive for the beauty of, of what I see underneath the water. And have yeah. have been around sharks a time or two underwater, not to my plan, but it did happen. <laughs> right. Did you have, have you ever had to punch the shark in the nose to get it away? No, yeah. I did not get that close. I got out of the water quickly when I realized there was one hovering <laughs> above me. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. I think it's actually Shark Week now, isn't it? I, it may be it always shark, shark Week, but it feels like it's Shark Week. I have been watching it. And I've learned a lot. Nowhere I don't want to be. Well, next time I see Jaws, I'll think of you. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) Don't Please don't associate me with that. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not survive. No, okay. All right. Okay. Well, if you love adventure, we'll get you out paragliding with me. Right, David? (laughs) No, no. No, please don't. Cindy, I'm, I'm still... Ah, there I'm still we go. freaking out about the last time Dwight went on his paragliding adventure. And he will tell you that there are probably six or seven emails that he has for me asking him to please do something safer, maybe like go bowling. David says to me, <laughs> will you please take up knitting? 
Absolutely not. No, 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 no. It's got needles. It's got needles. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about some fascinating stuff with you. We're going to be exploring how HR analytics gets used at the executive table to make business decisions. And that's something that we love to discuss, especially with CHROs like Cindy. So Cindy, our first question is, you've been in the HR world for a long time, but has it been your experience that analytics have been a part of the executive decision-making process within your organizations? Not for the most part. As the years have um, increased, it's now part of the way companies look at every aspect of the business. But that is, to me, that's relatively new within the past eight years or so. Right. Companies looked at human resources more as a transactional administrative department and didn't really see the right. full effect of what HR professionals can bring to the table as far as increasing ROI, increasing EBITDA by analyzing not just the business side, but the employee side as it relates to the strategic goals and taking it down to a granular level so you can implement effective changes. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we talked to CFOs in the past and CIOs about how they're able to leverage analytics very easily, either in the finance group or logistics or marketing and sales. And, and they've been doing that successfully for years. And it's just very strange. HR is now finally getting there. And I, I guess the question is, how how did it get introduced in, in your world, in the HR world? Well, kind of twofold. The CEO of our company is an accountant by education. And so he likes to look at numbers. Myself as an HR professional try to stay on the cutting edge of what's taking place and understanding that going in and presenting at an executive table, if you're not giving analytics, if you're not giving data, if you're not showing the, the graphs that tell the story, if you're just spewing numbers or facts, you're making no change. So it has to tell a story and that story has to lead to actionable items that impact the company in a positive way. And so over the past three years, that has been my my goal and where have I have focused all of my attention. Well, I won't say all of my attention, a large amount of my attention, especially when you're in a company that's growing at the pace in which we're growing. You have to look at what you're doing because you're spending a lot of money. And if you're doing it incorrectly, you're wasting a lot of money. And so I've gone so far as to hire someone full-time to do nothing but HR analytics on a daily, weekly, quarterly, monthly basis. And we take that that information and we look at it and see if we're to the pro or to the con. And then, like I said previously, we bring it down to a granular level because specifically in our organization, we've grown so fast that you can automatically look at this data and it tells you a beautiful picture. This market is being successful. This market isn't being successful. You take your attrition rates, your quick quits, and you link that to the production within that area. You link that to your employee relations issues within that area. You look at link it to your overtime within that area, and it tells you a, a, a beautiful story that gives you the map for improving. And it, right. it doesn't all go to a 
poor manager or poor leader. It can go to what's going on in that market. It can it can go to a right. leader that is excellent but hasn't pr- been provided all the tools that we need to provide. And that tells sure. us, hey, we're not we're not doing our due diligence with that individual. We need to to work a little harder and bring them up to speed and make them aware of what's going on. Because what I've found is people look at the individual cases, they look at the individual issues, they sure. don't say, oh my gosh, I had no idea it was one here and one there. I didn't realize that it equated to 50 in a month. That That's, that's actionable. Right. right. Well, it's the difference between looking at one pixel on a screen versus looking at the entire picture, right? So if you zoom in too much, you don't get the full picture and, and, and are able to see the patterns that exist. And and kind of you talked about hiring one person that kind of did the analytics for the, that worked on the analytics, but does it really change your view about who you hire and how you upskill the people that you already have in your organization though? It absolutely does. It, it absolutely does because, you know, we brought it into cost cost per hire based on training recruiting and and it's a lot of money so if we don't take that information and bring it to a level that tells the story of what we need to do to make those hires more successful out of the gate not you know three months six months down the road but immediately because there's such a cost involved with that and when you're working in commission if people aren't having that those funds come in they're not going to stay with you so you have to make them successful out of the gate so you absolutely look at this data and have to evaluate it consistently to make sure that that you're addressing what issues there are out there and you're addressing them as a whole, by market, and by individual. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by Salary.com. Now, back to the show. So let's touch on question two, which is that there are benefits that you get from looking at these analytics. And there are benefits, as you as you mentioned, that increase ROI on hires, what are the other strategic and functional benefits that you get across the organization that you can see beyond HR? One, it has raised the bar with the department leaders within the organization to understand what HR is and what we bring to the table and to make us more of a business partner. So they value what we have to say. They value and want to know, what are you doing? What are you seeing? What can I do better? as a leader over this business unit. So it's definitely raised the level of respect and understanding of what human resources is, but it also, it changes a lot of transactional functions that happen across the organization when you have a lot of turnover or a lot of employee relations events, and then you can recapture that time to be aggressive toward the future. And, and taking, sure. taking that time and saying, okay, where do we want to be in five years? Look at our strategic plan and spend our time in a positive way versus a reactive negative way. Do you, those managers as well ask better questions? Are they able to frame some of their issues differently? Not just in, from the HR context, but are they able to actually start internalizing how your analytics help them make better decisions around the things they're doing beyond just the HR stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they don't, 
they won't make the decisions without that data. They've they've come to build that into their total decision making process. Decision making process. If that's not there, they can't make the decision. Yeah. If they don't have that information, they cannot make the decision. Well, and it's got to be it's got to be fun. I would imagine that you've had your share of aha moments that these that these managers and leaders have, which. You know, nothing better than an aha moment to truly realize the value of what you're providing and kind of reinforce the fact that you're going down the right road. Absolutely. And, you know, and I'm a proponent of stop and think, don't just act and react. And I've been able to help some understanding with that within our organization by providing these analytics. I imagine stop and think seems like a very strange thing to say when we're talking about executives, right? And, and I'm not just trying right. to be facetious, but but way too often we use our knee-jerk reaction and we don't take that opportunity to sit back a second and say, hmm, let me look at the picture a little differently now, now that I have a little bit more information and be able to then maybe come up with a different conclusion based on this new data, this new input. Absolutely. And the decisions and conclusions are not subjective. Right. And as much as people say, you know, I don't take personal feelings or or whatever into mm-hmm. account, it's human nature to a degree. This takes that out of it. You you think this because you saw this one time, but what about the other 99 times that right. that was not occurring? Right. And so that really is not an issue. It's an issue in your belief because of your experience with that one situation, individual transaction, but it really is not an issue. So let's focus on what the issues are versus spending our time focusing on something that makes no difference. It's not going to affect the business or the success of the business in any way, shape or form. I would imagine now that these managers have, have have had access to the data, they've had access to the insights, they're making better decisions, they're thinking more holistically, that that will lead them to maybe, and not just think about you differently, as you said, you now have a seat at the table, but they may bring you in sooner and be able to think through the business problem from the beginning. Have you seen the change in attitude that leads you to, again, not just have a seat at the table, but be brought in sooner rather than later when it comes to business problems? Absolutely. A lot of times in the past, it was this is what we decided, and now we need you to implement and come back to us with your recommendation and then implement. Now it's let's talk through this together as a team Let's look at it from every perspective. Let's use our data and let's, as a, as a leadership group, come up with the best solution. Because not specifically in the environment I'm in now, but just in you know the many years of HR, a lot of times I would receive the directive and the minute I saw it, I was like, that, that's mm-hmm. missing pieces sure. or that's not the best answer. There's pieces and parts of that that are good, but that's not the best answer. Then coming back and changing minds and changing the directive after everybody's on go is a much harder thing to do sure. than to get involved in it in the beginning and be part of the conversation. And that's where HR has, has grown and is making a positive impact 
own organizations. Yeah, I mean, it's all about instead of being reactive, being the proactive, being part of proactivity, and and being able to lead rather than having to implement. And, and I will say, part of my motivation, and you know this, knowing me, is I. I absolutely, truly care about every employee. And I feel like if we recruited and we hired you, we saw something in you. So if we're able to see your strengths and your weaknesses through analysis, then we can put a plan together to help you work through those weaknesses because that's on us as well. It's a partnership. We're here to help you grow. And so analytics have allowed us to see those holes where we can improve our leaders and our employees. And that also gives them career pathing and reduces turnover and people going into the roles, having much better knowledge base of our systems as a whole right. versus hiring externally. So, Cindy, one of the things I'd love to ask you based on your experiences is which analytics do you find, and we'll break this into two questions, which analytics do you find managers embrace, and then which analytics do you find managers just don't find any value in whatsoever? Let's start with the embracing first. Okay. Managers embrace, and I'm going to speak to this from my, you know, a, a company growing sure. um, very fast. They The... Time to fill, the cost per hire, the quick quits, and the attrition sure. are their their go-tos. And okay. because they want to know how quickly are you going to get John Doe in a seat and producing. So they're looking at the, the, the time to hire. And we're on short reigns with that. We move very fast. Sure. But... As I continually tell them, it's not just, you know, throwing spaghetti on a wall. It's a quality hire in that seat. So we need to look at your attrition from several perspectives. We need to be sure we're framing the job right with the candidate. We're screening correctly with the candidate. We're assessing, using the right tools for assessment with the candidate. And then once they get here, we're orienting them right. We're training them correctly. And that's where your quick quits comes in is a huge. Absolutely. And we do 30, 60, 90 days, as well as yep. exit interviews for everybody that, that leaves. And so what I do for the attrition, I not only pull the attrition rates, I pull the quick quits with it. I pull the what tools we used in the recruiting process with those candidates and I pull the employee relations. If there were mm-hmm. complaints on a manager, if there were, I yep. just don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. And then lastly, right. I pull in the exit interview because employees are usually very honest when they're not working for us anymore. And right. I pull all that data to do a true attrition report. Right. And it tells the story. We're immediately like, we really need to work on this or that was just not a good good hire for that job, and these are the right. reasons why. So we need to make our TA team aware of that, work with our hiring managers on that. Sure. And and so that is the go-to. But it's just not your X percent of, right. you know, turnover. Because you also, you know, we look at it by market and what's going on in that market. Sure. And and so we, we bring it down to those levels so as I continue to stay, it's got to actually 
be usable information and tell a story. So to me, if you just say, hey, you've got 25% attrition, yeah. that tells me nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So, so we bring it down with all that additional information. It provides continuous learning about what's going on in the organization that you can then use. Right. Absolutely. And you can't just assume what is happening today is the same three months from now with right. COVID and with the great resignation and mm-hmm. everything that's going on. Nothing is, is stagnant anymore. It mm-hmm. is ever changing. And if you're not ever evaluating, you're, you're behind the eight ball before you start. Absolutely. Well, and that's, I've seen that over and over with organizations where, you know, the good part about analytics and numbers is that it provides you insights into your organization. But if you're not continuously changing what you're looking at to try to follow the ball, that can get you mired down into the mud even further, you know, so it's effective use of analytics. So now let's look at the ones that managers or the analytics and metrics that managers do not embrace or kind of push back on. They do not really care about like cost per hire. Mm-hmm. They just want the good hire. Right. They don't care about that, but it is a cost to the company. So we do have to look at it and can, and determine, is there any way we can lower that cost and still get the same level candidate? So that, that is something they're not interested in. For the most part, you know, we do a lot of analytics around employee relations tickets. We have a ticketing system and we do a lot of analytics around that. They don't really want to get into that information. They instead they want to know what are we going to do to improve that information. They don't they don't want to get into the the nuts and bolts of it. Just you tell me. You know what it is. Your y'all your team's getting the calls. Y'all know what's going on. Just tell me what you're going to do to fix it. What about beyond recruiting? Are there other metrics that are either embraced or that? cause a visceral reaction beyond just the recruiting metrics? I'll give you an example. Like overtime metrics are usually really embraced, sometimes embraced, especially in organizations that have a lot of overtime expectation from their employees. And Yeah, absolutely. And, and we do a lot of analytics. And thank you for bringing that up. We, we do a lot of analytics around hours worked overtime sure. versus jobs on the books. To make sure if we are having overtime that it's truly work time, it, it's not moving slower than we need right. to, or not having the equipment or the tools or the supplies to get the job done, but you're on the clock. Right. So we analyze that weekly. I'm, I'm actually part of a, a team of six that we look at that every single week and we drill down and we're like, why are we having so much overtime in this market? What's going on? Yeah. And we immediately bring in the leaders from that department and evaluate it as we and, and part of it is the overtime cost, but it's also, you know, the production analytics. And it's not just we have home A and home B. Home B may be three times the size as home A, right. or it may be a two story. Those things take more time. So, and we have to take into account drive time. We have a lot of, of drive time mm-hmm. and we have to take that into account. So what we do is we see if we're having a lot of drive time in a certain area, maybe it's time to open a new warehouse because our sales team has expanded their drive time. So now we've got enough um jobs on the books and enough sales to justify a new warehouse so we can decrease our drive time and make that productive time. 
I like to call that reducing organizational friction, where you're looking at the metrics to solve for what's causing production delays. And whatever can be reduced from a friction perspective enables that to happen more quickly. And I'll also look at benefit analytics because I always want to be sure each year we're looking at our, at our benefit offerings and making mm-hmm. sure we're, we're competitive in the market and we're taking care of the needs of the employees. And so I'm always looking at who's enrolled in what by demographic, by region, by job title, whatever it may be, to see if we're, you know, what I think we may need may not be what we need. I'm right. not the deciding factor. The employees right. and the executive team are the deciding factor based on cost and need. And so continually we look at that and try to stay really aggressive and proactive on our benefit offerings. And what about the ones that, again, beyond TA, the ones that are not embraced? The executive team that I'm a part of is data-driven, so I'm really mm-hmm. lucky that way. And so there's nothing that I present or that we look at that they're like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing that's not embraced. There's just things that they are their, their go-tos. And I think a lot of it is because we combine a lot of the data into the end story and not just say, here's your this, here's your that. It's what does that look like? And so those are their go-tos. But they like all the data. That, that's more mature, Cindy, because I deal with a lot of people who will throw a lot of spaghetti against the wall, to kind of use the term you were talking about before, to see, to say whatever sticks. And so they'll create dashboards that have tons of metrics in it, and it becomes just noise because they can't yeah. see the story. And so creating those stories and being able to weave the appropriate statistics and metrics into it make a lot more sense and hopefully make it more easily consumable. I think so. I think it does. And I think it makes a a positive impact on the business much quicker. So, Cindy, we've talked about how analytics can be part of the decision-making process, especially when HR analytics can help the organization succeed. We've talked about what differences it can make and how HR actually gets not only the seat at the table, but respected. And we've also talked about what kind of analytics are embraced and which ones are pushed away. Any other things that you wanted to bring up before we close? I would say what I challenge myself with daily, and I think any aggressive CHRO, HR leader should, is making sure you don't have blinders on and that you're not repeating the same cycle over and over. Continually to look for other data, other information, and don't assume you know it. Talk to the people out there in the field. You know, if what are you doing on a daily basis? If you were leading this, what would you be looking at? Because a lot of times they know what's happening and where the holes are, and nobody else does know right. because there's no way to report it. And then all of a sudden you're like, that's an aha moment, and they're living it daily and saying, I don't understand this. I don't know why we're doing this this way. And so don't stay in an office. Go go interact with the people doing the job, you're going to learn so much and anything you learn can then be reformatted into some type analytical presentation that gives you mobility to improve. Well said. That's excellent. Thank you very much, Cindy. 
It was wonderful speaking to you. Thank you all so much for the opportunity. Our pleasure. Dwight, thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Cindy, for being with us. This has been great. I enjoyed it. Thank you. We did too. We're probably going to ask you back. And thank you all for listening and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.